magic of the sunstone, you're tuned into the Jewel Riders Archive. Hey Jewel fans, I'm Chris. And I'm Ronnie from the Jewel Riders Archive. We're here today for our third and possibly final question mark Avalon Web of Magic book club. Today we're talking with Jacksworth again. Hello. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back. Glad to have you. <laughs> it's always so fun talking with you because you are the resident expert of Avalon Web of Magic. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and so just as a quick plug, too, okay. so that way everyone kind of knows who Jack is. Jack, do you want to give a quick summary of who you are and why you're so important to the Avalon fandom? Hi. Okay. Um, so I'm Jack Swarth. I run the Avalon Archive. That's at avalonarchive.wordpress.com. Uh, we have summaries and comparisons of all 12 Avalon Web of Magic books. And we've also saved pictures and information on the animated series whenever that's coming out. Giant question whatever, marks. Whatever <laughs> tidbits of that floats yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I have a higher chance of getting struck by lightning than finding information. <laughs> 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 um, so before we kind of get into Cry of the Wolf, I'd really like get your take on our last two episodes. Uh, by the way, this is episode 10. This is our 10th episode, so I wasn't ever sure we would actually make it to this number of episodes, but I'm very pleased we have. But Yay. for episode, episode 8 and episode <laughs> 9, we featured um, Alison Strom, the illustrator for Avalon Web of Magic, and in episode 9, we featured Deborah Davis, the singer-songwriter behind some of the original music. So first off, why don't why don't we talk a little bit about uh, what you learned from the Allison Strom podcast. Well, actually, I was kind of surprised to hear that Avalon was her first major illustration project. So I was shocked at that, honestly. Yeah. Like, like she, she did a pretty awesome job. So well, kudos to her. Yeah, I was I was so impressed because I was like, oh, my God, like, how can you take on a 12 book series of illustrations? While your, in school. While in school as your yeah. first major major work. And I was like, I was so impressed by that. Also really liked, um, like, I know she shared some of the uh, pictures with you about the co cover treatments and, like, how, how they've progressed. I actually enjoyed looking at those, too. And I, I really liked the, how natural it all looked. It really fit the theme of the books. And I understand why they changed some of the cover artwork for like the later books because you know too I don't know green too neutral too samey but then at the same time it's like oh I, I, I kind of missed that <laughs> yeah you I, know throughout I, a lot of that conversation I know Chris kept bringing up the fact that those previous covers looked like Taco Bell artwork <laughs> but it was kind of you convinced was... me to eat Taco Bell the day I, I <laughs> <laughs> well there you go I'm so glad 
I'm so glad that it's associated now forever with a Mexican fast food chain. But the point is, is that, you know, we were actually just discussing because I'm looking at possibly getting some of the other books and we're looking at what editions. And of course, after speaking with Allie, like I want to support her. So I want to make sure to get the books that have her artwork in them. But, you know, when I'm actually looking at the originals, it's like it just changed so dramatically from the original art, which is, you know, a coin very in the in the time period i mean you know that that kind of looked like the the styling of a lot of the magical fantasy book covers and things like that but then the way that it changed it went for a much more anime you know flowing and so it's kind of like at the at the end of the book when it's also talking about the upcoming warlock diaries where it was like oh the magic of avalon comes to manga for the very first time and like I'm looking at the art. I'm like, well, it's already kind of a manga. Like, it's not quite the same thing, but I mean, it's already kind of in that art style. I would say it's manga inspired. Yeah. But not not nearly like what the Warlock Diaries are. And funnily enough, I was just looking up something, and I realized that the artist from the Warlock Diaries is now drawing My Little Pony comics. Oh, like, the full circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we should reach out to them, too. I know. I'd like to talk to Xie at some point, if we can. Mm. So, Jack, any other takeaways, at least from Allie, regarding, you know, when she was talking about her inspirations or her monster inspirations or her backgrounds or anything like that? I, I can definitely see the uh, D&D references in, in her art because I I picked those out, too, when lo- looking through the books. It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> anything so. in particular? Um... I want to say like definitely some of the uh, more like 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 the like the dragons definitely and um, some of the more like horrific looking creatures like not so much the cute ones but like like maybe the manticore and try and remember what other like weird scary monsters so there's centaurs that show up later. Mm. Yeah. Well, I will say, at least for me in Cry of the Wolf, when I was looking at the illustrations of like the gargoyles and the imps and things like that, like, again, I can see where Allie loves drawing dark, you know, menacing creatures. I'm like, oh, wow, these, you know, but it was just like the previous one as well, you know, when all that glitters and you see all these other types of dark demons and things like that, like, wow, those are the images that really stuck in my mind. Whereas the fanciful creatures are cute and all, but it's really the the menacing ones that I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Sometimes it looks like Ozzy comes from a different series (laughs) as, as the other menacing creatures. Right. Right. Because he's so different. (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's got that cute cartoon roundness to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's very, he's adorable. He's too cute and fuzzy for this adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So so what about Deb? Yeah. Okay, that was the, the one that shocked me the most. I was not expecting to get all that information about all the behind-the-scenes stuff out of her. Like, I talked about it with um, some friends from the fandom last night, and they were very surprised. <laughs> Tell us about way. some of those surprises. Like, what what exactly oh, was yeah, it? First of all, like, who actually was? But I had no idea. I mean, I should have suspected this, but I had no idea that Robert Mandel actually like co-wrote pretty much all of the books mm-hmm. so and then finding out that shadow warrior was actually being written and then it just kind of disappears off the face of the earth that 
that was the one that actually angered a whole lot of fans. We've been waiting for that for <laughs> almost a decade. Oh. <laughs> find out what happened. Release, <laughs> re- release a draft or something, please. Give us a tidbit. Mm-hmm. I know it seems it seems counterintuitive that if it's if it's done, I mean, it may be an unfinished draft, but if it's done and just sitting on a hard drive somewhere, theoretically, yeah, wouldn't it be better off in the world where people can enjoy it? Yeah, but how many times does that happen in fandoms? Like, oh, of some course. creator has, you know, the art, the music, the video. Like, oh, yeah, we did that. We did a test of it. It didn't really sell, so I just have it still. And it's like, uh, you still have prototypes of Princess Guinevere and the Joel Riders 20 years later. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> that's the way it goes. Yeah, I was, I think it's so funny because I always thought, you know, Rachel Roberts, Robert Mandel, that just a is that just a pen name for him mm-hmm. and then so we kind you know, of suspected it from the beginning yeah i mean it was always sort of a like haha wouldn't that be funny in the back of my mind but then it's like it turns out he was actually the co-author and it's like wait what <laughs> but i think that at least for me reading the series like i pull so many jewel writer references and i'm like well the, you know whoever it was that wrote this manuscript knew many of the actual like word for word references from the Joel writers scripts. So I'm like right. someone who was involved had to have, and it's like, okay, well if Rachel Roberts isn't, you know, credited anywhere within Joel writers, then obviously there has to be a different source. I mean, and I know Rachel Roberts is a pen name, which I've known Jack, what was the other name that she used on one of her Shelley other books? Roberts. Shelly Roberts. Yeah, the first two books are originally under Shelly Roberts. Mm. And and then sometime after the initial printing, they changed it to Rachel Roberts. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any of those Shelly Roberts covers? No, I I don't. This is one of those, um, go on Google and search for them. They they are out there. Okay. Like, actually, I think you guys do have a picture of... in like one of your Avalon merchandise pictures. Mm. So yeah, Roberts editions. Was it the original? The multicolored covers were released once as Shelley Roberts and then were re-released as Rachel Roberts. Is that what it was, or are all those yeah. multicolored ones? Uh, only the first, um, like the the first uh, release of the multicolored covers are Shelley, and then they changed them to Rachel. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I'll have to. De- confirm with our images and we can actually make a note of that and see look look at that it says Shelly on it I know I'm going to have to comb through those again and speaking of the merchandise I know that throughout these past well now it's been almost what has it been almost six months because we've been doing it every other month uh, six months worth of reading Avalon Web of Magic and discussing it we've shared a lot more media and imagery and artwork and just it's been fun exploring the Avalon fandom and you know it is so tight so closely tied to the Jewel Riders fandom but I think that for the longest time we've just all been so separate it's like at least from us you know we've been in contact and we've known about each other but I can't tell you how many people when I'm posting things from the Jewel Rider side are like, I had no idea about this book series. And then from the Avalon side, it's like, I had no idea that this was based on a cartoon series. So it's just so interesting that they're tied. And yet 
no one seems to know about them, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we talked about that with Deborah. I mean, remember we said, like, and it was also with Allison, we said, you know, did they show you guys these cartoons? And even Allie said, like, you know, hey, if I would have known, like, this was already, you know, based on something, it probably would have been my life easier. But then she probably would have been influenced to make it look more like Jewel Riders rather than going into it like, okay, I'm creating something brand new. Like, it doesn't already exist, you know? So I think it did... Right. It helped. Which it. which I think is actually a good thing. Right, exactly. Otherwise you would just have Jewel Riders 2.0 essentially. Right. And which which Avalon is very distinct enough to not be that. Mm-hmm. Any anything else from Deborah Davis? I did actually download her the CD release where she sings Supernatural High. So that was really fun to hear. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I've actually heard her version of it. So I I, I need to go find that and listen to it well then we're gonna have to share that on our social (laughs) (laughs) i think it's on um spotify or something so yeah i I know she's she cast a pretty wide net for her releases but i mean i just i picked it up off of amazon but i'm sure it's on itunes or spotify or anything like that and it's like now i really want to hear the rest of the things that she recorded I, I do too, but I had no idea there were other songs that were made for the books that didn't show up because she kept mentioning this Magic and Me song, and it's like I read these books maybe three or four times. I do not recall that song. So yeah, after wow. our conversation also with her, I went looking for the um. She mentioned a trio of sisters recording Supernatural High. Oh, yeah, that Twist of Fate, right? Twist of Fate, yeah, and I I tried looking for them, and I couldn't dig anything up. There, what's really weird is that there's a uh, an original cover summary for the first release of Spellsinger, and they're, they're actually mentioned. Like, they're, that's the name of the band instead of Between. Really? Yeah. That is fascinating. <laughs> Oh my gosh, like all these little things that come out in these various releases of this series that you, that get swept under the rug later, but still tie to older pieces and different versions. It's, I mean, it's very similar to Jewel Riders in that respect. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I mean, you know, and as Many of the fans who are listening to this may remember, this is my first time reading through the series. So I'm still discovering and learning. And so a lot of the things that people are talking about, like, oh, yeah, you know, there's, you know, this song or whatever. I still haven't encountered any of the songs yet in the books. So, you know, and yet that was the whole conversation with Deborah Davis. And so it's like, okay, like, I, I do know the Jewel Rider songs, but I haven't encountered the songs in the books yet. So I just assume, okay, that they, they go, but I haven't met the betweens yet. So I don't really, you know, I don't know how they work into the story. I, I know the basic premise, but then we also get people who are asking, you know, well, how does a book series have a soundtrack? How does a book have songs? You know, they, the whole concept is very revolutionary, I guess you could say, where it's not the first time that this has ever been done, but it's definitely not the norm. And I think that, if anything, that's something that really should have set Avalon apart, at least from a, you know, success standpoint. So I, I think it's great that there's additional music and things like that to go along with a book series. Well, yeah, it reminds me very much of in Japan when you have 
you know, you have your manga, you have light novels, you have, you know, audio drama CDs recorded by the voice actors who may then go on to record those characters in an anime series and they release image albums and all that kind of stuff. And it's like Avalon was really trying to do something very similar and be like a real mixed media project. Unfortunately, usually a cornerstone of those is an animated series. And without that, it's it can be kind of hard to get the traction, I think, that you really need to kind of get the series in front of people. But at least from an anime perspective, what is usually the timeline? Like, what starts out first? Is it first the manga? So if there's a book, it usually starts out as a like a light novel, which then will get adapted into a manga. And then it may then turn into, you know, the drama CDs and the albums and stuff like that. And usually the anime is a last thing that goes back and then it's really looked at as an advertisement for the publishing portion of the project. Mm-hmm. So people will watch the anime, then they'll go back and pick up the books or the manga or something like that. And you're right. I mean, Avalon does certainly have that where they have the book series already. And while it might not be necessarily, you know, an audio drama, at least there is a book, you know, on CD. Right. So right. you have that. And then you have the Warlock Diaries. You have the so music, kind of like, so there's the manga. Know, yeah. Exactly. So you have the manga, you have the light novel, you already had the audio dramas, and they're trying to do the animated series. So, I mean, you're right. It is kind of, that is their marketing idea. Like, hey, this is what we want to do. And I think that this is also the right genre for that. I mean, so many of the mangas are based on magical girl properties or things like that. So this fits right in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, actually, this is a good question. Uh, Jack, has Avalon been introduced to the Japanese audience? I don't don't believe so. Um, There is no Japanese translation as far as I know. And, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think right there that's one of the big problems is because, you know, just like with Jewel Riders, yes, it was popular and a, a large majority of our fans are in North America, but that's also, I think, due to where we are located. But outside of that, our other secondary biggest market is in Europe. I mean, France and England are some of our top followers, at least for the Jewel Riders archive. So I think that when you're looking at this, and especially with Ali's illustrations, it's like this is just begging to be shown, you know, internationally and, and within the Asian market as well. Yeah, the only Asian markets I know of for Avalon, though, are like Indonesia. And then I think there were some fans in the Philippines mm-hmm. who got the books in English. And then there, there's some Filipino um, fans for Jewel Riders as well. I yeah. see them pop up on Twitter every once in a while. Yeah, I've seen those, too. <laughs> and then the, I know the books are translated into French, but I've only seen one fan video for it is like someone review some kid reviewing like one of the books in French. I think that if, if the French and the French audience, so if anyone out there who is in France or, you know, Canada or wherever it is that you speak French and you have some information on this, I think, well, we would probably be talking more with France because of the fact that Starla de Joie Magie were so popular there. I think that if people knew that this series is based on that cartoon series, it probably would gain a lot of traction. Yeah, well, 
this is all conversations that we need to be having with whoever the current distributor is, whether it's <laughs> Seven Seas or whoever it is. Rachel and Robert, wherever you are out there listening to this, those are our plans. <laughs> yes. Jack, <laughs> Talk to Jack, us. Are the are the are the ebooks distributed by Seven Seas? I don't think so. I think uh, uh, someone else distributes them now. I have to check, but I do know that you can. If you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription, you can get them get at least the first eight books for free right now. I wonder That's if it's Red. I know. wonder if it's Red Sky Entertainment. It's probably it's probably Red Sky. And for those who don't know, Red Sky Entertainment is one of the companies that Robert Mandel has had a hand in or founded, which does a lot of distribution for his stuff. Except Joel Riders. Right. <laughs> because Jewel Riders is not owned by him anymore. <laughs> yes. Like any animated series property, it is not usually... Uh, yes. Actually, I was just looking up Circles in the Stream on, on Amazon, and it's from Red Sky Presents. Mm. So, Red Sky Entertainment. There you go. Everyone, start sending your letters now. Red Sky Entertainment. I know. I did send them an email asking when they were going to put up the next four books. Or mm-hmm. the last four, rather. And I have heard, unfortunately, nothing. Mm. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah. Again, fandom, you guys got to speak up. It can't just be three people. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone who really is truly in love with this series and has enjoyed the books, enjoys Jewel Writers, you know, reach out to whoever you think you can get a hold of or the people that we've shared with and tell them how much you enjoy these series or how much you want to see a reboot or a revamp or even just a release, whatever it might be. <laughs> Literally anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll take your scraps, please. <laughs> I want more. <laughs> I want more. <laughs> I was actually thinking, please, sir, can I have more? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into reviewing Cry of the Wolf. Okay. All right, so well, Jack, I would say... Oh, I was going to uh-huh. see if... Jack, can you give us a quick rundown of the plot of the book? Okay, so... So, in the first book, we had, okay, there's monsters attacking magical animals in nice little forest. Second book is like, oh, hey, there's a big bat. She's actually going after these girls who have magic powers for protecting the magical animals. Third one is, okay, one of the girls falls into a portal, or actually, she deliberately goes into a portal to follow her wolf friend, and she finds the magical world, and oh, wow, it's not fun. (laughs) It's a mess. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to your magical nuclear wasteland, everybody. (laughs) It's the non-Disney version of the Black Cauldron, essentially. (laughs) That's what I saw it as. And I even made that reference when I was texting Chris, and I was all like, every time I turn the page, it's like, you know, in certain parts when they're talking about, like, the elves, I'm like, I want to watch Lord of the Rings. And then I turn it, and then there's this, like, other gremlin-looking character. And while it was still, you know, reminiscent of... Lord of the Rings, it made me think more of Gurgi, and I was like, I want to watch the Black yeah, Cauldron. Yeah, that's so funny. It, it made me think of like a mix of Gurgi and Gollum. 
Exactly. And then I turn more pages. I'm like, oh, this reminds me of Veil of the Unicorns. And I was like, oh, it would be fun to watch one of those magical movies like that. So I was like, what do I want to watch? Like a Quest movie? Do I want to watch a Disney movie? Like there were so many references throughout this entire book that it just it made me. I, I was almost like on this emotional roller coaster, like of like, oh, there's so many references in here. Like I thought I of you as I read a couple of Wizard of Oz references <laughs> in this book too. Which was oh well, the main one is like, oh, I'm over the rainbow or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Where are you from? Exactly. There was just so many more references in this one. Well, I will say, at least from someone who is reading this for the first time, the first book really felt like a a nice juvenile novel and it was like okay it's about these fun girls and you know one's a little awkward and one's all about shopping and the other one is a tomboy and I was like okay it's very you know youth girls genre I'm like okay like this is still cool like I could totally get into this but it's you know it's very different and then the second book, there was, like how you said, you know, there was this big bad, and you're like, okay, I'm not really sure who this character is. I'm a little concerned because there's a little bit of mystery. Like, there's a lot more, like, unknown. And I think that it was more of a, a mystery novel for me, and it was trying to figure out, okay, how does this all go into place? Okay, we find more about, you know, what their goals are and where they're going to go and the magic, and, you know, Kara discovers her own magic and everything. And and so that was kind of the the plot for me. And then in Cry of the Wolf, I mean, I, I think it was also because we were missing the rest of the characters and the entire story really centered around Adrian and without Emily and Kara and Ozzy really, you know, and even Lyra as well. It's like those other characters that you came to love weren't even there. And so you really had to just focus more on Adrian's story. And then it became just really, you know, again, it is still a youth novel, but it was very dark. And that's why I'm saying it's like, it's very reminiscent of Black Cauldron in that it's trying to be lighthearted. It's trying to be this, but I mean, with all these gruesome things and like, you know, all this death and everything, it's just, it's very dark. Like that's, that was really my takeaway from it. I have to say, I didn't remember going into this one, just how little Kara and Adrian and Kara and Emily, sorry are in this book. They're there for maybe 20% of the book. If that, I mean, you know, I would say 10%, but yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it really takes the idea of Adrian, you know, as the warrior character. And it really runs with that. Surprisingly, you know, she's fighting monsters. She's tracking things. She's meeting up with Zach, who is a new character introduced in this book you know, flying on griffins and dodging monsters. And it's like, it's, it's almost, a, it's almost, it feels very different from the first two. It does. That's what yeah. I mean. It's like, it, it was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, is this the same book series? And I think that it also has to do with just, you know, while Rachel was writing this, it's just, she's, she's growing and, and she's changing, you know, her writing styles or her focuses or whatever it might be. But I don't know. I mean, Jack, how did you feel about that, about the differences in the transitions? Well, actually, here's an interesting note about this book, though, is that this one might have been ghostwritten. So do we know that? Really? Or 
are we just assuming that? Well, there's um, someone called Charlotte Fullerton. And if you look at her page on Wikipedia and LinkedIn, she says that she wrote this book. Well, that's good to know. So (laughs) That's a name I've seen on other things associated with Rachel Roberts, or am I misremembering that? No, this this is... um, because I, I asked around about this too last night because when you guys were talk, talking about the um, you know the the Rachel and Robert thing mm-hmm. and and like some fans asked me like okay then where did this leave Charlotte Fuller did she actually write this book but then she's been it's on if she puts it on her LinkedIn account then hey I, I guess she actually did so maybe that's why this book seems different from all the others other than like the um dark stuff that happens in it that would be so fascinating to find out because while it does feel like it sometimes feels like an adult fantasy sort of massaged into this world mm-hmm. yeah it's very heavy <laughs> it really is well yeah um, there's there's you know character death within, you know, the first 25% of the book. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Zach has a really tragic backstory. And, you know, I mean, Alden Moore in general is, you know, like Jack said, it's a, it's a magical nuclear wasteland. It is. And I was so excited for Rocky. When he came up, I was like, he has this cute little rolling character. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was excited. But... And then, you know, with the introduction of a dragon and everything else, I mean, it just it 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 just felt very different. There's another series that Chris and I re- read as kids. Um, the I forget the series, but it's dealing with dragons. Enchanted Forest Chronicles. Enchanted like Forest Chronicles. Reedy, one yes. of my favorite series of all time. Still, it it reminded me a lot of it. Really? I don't know if it did to you, but it, it it did. I mean, I think it was just the. You know, it's trying to be lighthearted, but at the same time, it's just very dark. And I mean, of course, there's the different magical elements, but I think it just had to do with, like, the dragons and a lot more of, like, the real, I guess you could say D&D characters. Like, you know, the I even forgot what they are, but, like, the pig-headed things that came uh, after the them. Orcs. The orcs, yeah. And that's another reason why it's I very Lord, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> exactly. Like, I was thinking Lord of the Rings. But, you know, again, it's just it just felt very different. I don't know. Jack, have you actually reached out to this person to ask them for clarification? If not, we can. Um, I haven't done that yet. I think some fan did a long time ago, but I don't remember if they got anything out. Mm. Okay. I mean, again, if they've said that they are, then, you know, why would you lie on your LinkedIn profile? (laughs) No. There you go. I mean, it's also listed. I just looked on her Wikipedia page, but of course, you know, Wikipedia is not to be trusted. (laughs) <laughs> yes, Wikipedia is updated by fans who don't always have the right information. But yeah, so we would definitely probably want to go with the LinkedIn information. So what else about this book series? I don't know, Chris, what are your thoughts? I sort of wonder, you know, if this is the flavor that we would have gotten had we gotten Shadow Warrior. Uh, you know, a lo- same here. Like For a lot of listening who doesn't know, can you guys give us a brief history of what you're talking about? Okay, so Shadow Warrior 
was supposed to be a, a trilogy of books uh, centered around Adrian and Zach that takes place after the Avalon Web of Magic series. And Adrian is supposed to get new powers. She's supposed to learn more about Mistwolves. She's supposed to fight somebody called the Shadow Master. And that's all we know. <laughs> ah, well, this is just begging for a fan treatment then. <laughs> I, I've, I've heard some fans say like, they want to write their own version of what they thought Shadow Warrior was going to be like. But they should. They don't. Yeah, they should. Please, fans, uh, work on yes. your Shadow Warrior fanfics. I know you have them. I know exactly. you have your ideas. I want me some Avalon fanfiction. <laughs> I know. Who says that you guys can't all collaborate? Maybe working together during this whole Joel Ryers book club. Like, you know, send us a message and let us know. Hey, I already have this script or I have this outline or whatever. And if we can get a few of everyone together, who knows? The wonders of the Internet, how we can all collaborate. <laughs> yep. And especially during this time when, well, originally, I was going to say three months ago, everyone's inside the doors. But now it seems like everyone's returning. But then hopefully people are being safe. And that's a whole other political conversation. But anyway, so if you have time and you're at home and you want to write fan fiction, let us know. That's my (laughs) plug. (laughs) Yeah, so in addition to that, um, you know, I was looking through my Kindle highlights I made through this book. There's several times, there's several Jewel Riders uh, references that I found interesting. Yeah, Adrian the Drake. uses, well, the the Drake number one with <laughs> with Zach being the Drake sort of replacement character. No, with, but with actually Zach the fact he, that the dragon is the Drake is, is named Drake. Yes. Yes. Um. Okay, sorry at the beginning. Sorry, I cut you. Okay. Off. <laughs> no, it's it's. It's interesting, you know, they definitely talked about when she confronts the sorceress, the sorceress is like, oh, your stone's useless. It's been tuned to you. Um, The other thing is Adrian uses the wolf stone to create illusions in this book, which is a which is like a hallmark power of the moonstone in Jewel Riders. Which I don't I don't think I remember the wolf stone being used for illusions prior to this book. I think she does one once in the first book where she makes a um, image of. No wait, no, you're right. It is. Uh, you're right. There is this book. Sorry. Haha. Okay. <laughs> I, I know she makes trees move in the first one, but right, making actual right, yeah. making actual illusions, I think, isn't first appears in this yeah, book. Yeah, she and she uses sort of the far reach power again in this book to move rocks and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I don't know if you caught it, but at the beginning of the book, when she and Storm are running together, it's very opening to Badlands. That's oh, what I thought. yes. Yeah. It's, you know, training out in the woods and mm-hmm. um, racing together and, and trying to learn how you use your powers, essentially. Yeah. They remind us in this book that Adrian's parents are artists who travel all over the world, much like Fallon's parents are craft masters. I'm Minerva, Fallon's mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And this is um, Alfred. We haven't seen her in a few years. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> a few years? Well, it's terrible. Come right inside. <laughs> oh, I, I could quote that episode. <laughs> I just love it. You knew they'd be here, and you deliberately let me come. I hate you for this, Guinevere. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I think you will enjoy one of the later Adrian-centric books then, where it's like where it basically does all all the family stuff. 
Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to remember what book it is that her parents show up. It's it's in the back half. Okay. Is it Ghost yeah. Wolf? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do we ever have an, a book where Emily goes to her farm or something? Uh, <laughs> sort of. You sort, sort of. of? Sort of. <laughs> Actually, the original book treatment for that, I think, was actually it, it was her farm, but in, in the final product, it's somebody else's. Oh, but yeah. Okay. That's the one with the that's the one with all the baby unicorns, right? Yeah, the Taco Bell cover. <laughs> yes, that, is the most, that one is the original most Taco Bell cover of all time. And that's the one that Ali was saying about how she drew all those unicorns. Yes. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. How she drew all thirty baby unicorns. Uh, <laughs> so many. Oh. <laughs> Okay, what are the references? I'm just looking through it here. Well, there were lots of quotes. As you mentioned about the, you know, it's tuned to you. Yeah, she and talked then... about the, they talked about the serpent's teeth, which reminded me of Dragon Beach from mm-hmm. um, Northwoods, uh, the Travel no, Trees uh, Can't Dance. Travel Trees Can't Dance. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there's the moment when Adrian meets the ferramental of water, that she's standing on the lake, which is a, a very Lady of the Lake reference, um, which reminded me, of course, of the Spirit of Avalon from Jewel Riders. Um, I think her name is Marina, the water ferimental. Yeah. Yes, Marina. Yes. That, oh, oh, that also reminded me of, I don't know how many people have heard of it. There's this horrible, total, like, 90s, but it has quite an all-star of D-list actors. It's a sequel to Snow White called Happily Ever After. Happily Ever After. Oh my yeah. god, I remember seeing that as a kid. That and movie it, gives me nightmares to this day. <laughs> but it's made by Filmation who made He-Man and everything else. So yes. it's all associated with everything. I mean, I saw it as a kid, so I like it for what it is. But again, it's a very dark take on the on the story so it's it's again it's like this black cauldron animated movie where it's very dark and the other one it this one didn't remind me of it but it was also the princess and the goblin like that's another one that's just very dark and yet somehow it's made a cult following but yeah, yeah you so anyway made it, me, you made me watch happily ever after when we were like teenagers and i was like what <laughs> what is this <laughs> But the, it was the elementals that made me think of that. It was like, oh, it's just like the happily ever after the dwarf elves. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, it is not that tacky. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, if you haven't seen happily ever it's after, everyone, go out there and watch it. Voiced by Phyllis Diller. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, references. <laughs> um, Ronnie's very distracted. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Um, of course, Drake is a quote-unquote red crystal dragon, which is made me think of Grimm being a red dragon. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's interesting. Let's see. Yeah, I took a couple of notes about illusions. Oh, the and of course, it made me think of Grimm the way that um, Drake calls Adrian Mama, which is what... Grim oh, oh, yeah. Kale all the time. Mom, um, yeah. <laughs> and at one point, the I think it's um. Oh my gosh, what is that creature's name? Scorg, Scourge, Scourge, Scourge calls the dark sorceress Great Queenie. 
which reminded yeah, me of thing. Rufus. Yes, and witchy <laughs> yes. thing, and it's like, oh, that made me think of, that made me laugh, and made me think of Kale and Rufus and Twig. It's so funny. I was too busy associating all these characters with Lord of the Rings and everything else that I didn't even think of the Joel Fighter <laughs> references. Oh, yeah. It's interesting, you know they they start planting seeds in this book that you know Avalon is when they find Avalon, it will not be what you what they think it's going to be. And that <laughs> was don't tell me. Well, no, I mean yeah. I honestly I honestly don't remember the specifics i i remember the specifics i will not reveal them to you because i'm nice (laughs) (laughs) the last time i read these books was like 2012 for the jewel live journal (laughs) i'm gonna say and again i don't know anything because i have not read into this but when adrian is like oh this area reminds me of ravenswood but it's different and it reminds me of this but it's that and when they were saying about, you know, Avalon and everything, I just had it in this idea that Aldemore somehow is like a, a a reflection of Earth or something like that in the future or in the past or something. I don't know. Like, but that was something that I was thinking. But don't tell me anything. <laughs> but yes. I, so. I don't think they... They don't go into anything about that. It's just supposed to be like another world that exists right. on yeah. a full web. But that's just what I was thinking. Like, you yeah. know, it, it was almost like a Planet of the Apes thing where it was like, oh, it was Earth all along. And yet you travel through space. Like, you know, again, I think I just my imagination <laughs> runs away with me sometimes. I did love there's this quote at the end um, where right before Adrian is going to go home. Um, let me read it to you. So, Zack peered into the portal curiously. Mm-hmm. Who's that? Kara asked, tilting her blonde head forward to get a better look. Are you all right? Emily asked. Who is that? Kara persisted. This is my <laughs> friend Zack, Adrian said. Hello. Hello, Kara called out. Nice souvenir, girl. I love that Kara's first, first thought is to mack on Zack <laughs> through a portal. Oh, it was so Gwen. It's I mean, very it truly Gwen, was. And I loved it. <laughs> it made me laugh when I read that. It, in fact, because I think that there was so much darkness and so much, you know, death up until now that I just needed that, you know, kind of ditzy, you know, hey, I'm hitting on your on your friend, like humor. <laughs> so I was very grateful for it. Yeah, it, it added a little levity to the end of the book to sort of bring you back. Mm-hmm. You know, or the part where they're wearing leaves on their heads for birthday yes. hats. And yes. And them butchering the birthday song. <laughs> yes. yes. That made me smile as well. It was so, it was so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's mostly what I got with Jewel Riders references. I think you got them all. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, there was that prophecy that's of note in this book. Oh, yeah. Where... Um, three the three will be tested one will follow her heart one will see in darkness and one will change utterly and completely it's the prophecy of the three you know that'll it takes a healer a warrior and a blazing star to find avalon and heal the sadness and only after each has met their challenge will you be ready and I, i mean i was trying to 
put that to what I've already known. So when they were saying like, you know, sea and darkness will change. And what's the other one? Uh, Follow her her heart. Follow her heart. Like the way that I see it, I mean, that could really apply to a lot of people, but it's like, you know, Adrian in this one followed her heart and that's where she went after storm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the other one is that, I feel like Kara already changed utterly and completely. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, those are just the way that I see it. And yeah. So it's like, I, I was almost like, okay, have these things already happened now? Or is this like foretelling it or what, you know, what, what is it? I did, I did notice that part. It, yeah. I, some of it already happened and some of it, oh, Oh god, I don't want to go into spoilers here. Oh my. No, don't go into spoilers. Yeah. Um, they they will fulfill it. It's just not the way you think. <laughs> there you go. Right, like any good prophecy, it's it's mysterious and vague enough to subvert your expectations. Great. So someone who's gonna see in darkness just can't find the light switch. The person who follows <laughs> her heart is gonna, I don't know, meet the Tin Man, and the person who changes utterly and completely turns into a frog. I don't know. <laughs> Is that not the story? I don't know. I was just making things up. What book series are you reading? <laughs> well, I'm reading um, a- Avalor, and it's the spinning of the legacy magic web thing. <laughs> like the happily ever after knockoff. <laughs> right? It's the good times of Avalon Web of Magic. Which I already feel like is a- Elena of Avalor. I remember when that came out, people were like, this looks like Jewel Riders, but looks like She-Ra and reminds me a little bit of Avalon Web of Magic. I never saw it. It's a cute show. Um, lots of, lots of interesting re- magic and stuff in it. So, But now that I think of it, it does remind you a little bit of Avalon because it has like the big cat, like Lyra, you know? Yeah, it has the flying cats. Yeah. I mean, didn't um oh my gosh, I don't know his name. He Man's cat. Didn't he fly? Battle cat? Yeah, did Battle Cat fly? <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm thinking of? Oh my gosh, I'm so ridiculous. I'm thinking of the episode in the wishing jewel when Thunder gets wings. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. It spins around in a circle. Much yes, like exactly. Any of us would if we got wings. <laughs> Okay, enough of Ronnie's rants. I think that's pretty much the end of the summary of the book. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds like it. (laughs) Most of what we took away. So, I mean, Jack, I know that you're going to be sharing with us a little bit of history about Avalon and about the future and then, you know, just kind of things that we are gifted with here at the archive with some of the behind the scenes for Avalon, but, you know, just as, as a general information and just a general calling to anyone who's still interested about the series, you know, share with us a little bit more about Avalon, you know, and whether it's as a series or, you know, how many more books and how many more, you know, things, if people want to continue to read, and then also just a little bit more about also your website as well and sharing with us about Avalon. Okay, well, if you guys want to continue with Avalon, you've got nine more books and a um, three-part manga that you could find somewhere. I still haven't Uh, read those. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not a fan of the manga, believe it or or not. 
Yeah, it's um, kind of, I don't know. I, I guess I just don't go for a fluffy, um, not um, fluffy, fluffy little side stories that have like next to no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Oh. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, there's so you got nine more books and a manga. Hopefully, an animated series on the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fingers, fingers crossed. Yeah, this is a big finger, fingers crossed. Uh, like say a prayer to to your favorite deity. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dear Rocky. <laughs> Pierre Lapierre. Exactly. He's called in French. <laughs> Which literally means rock to rock. So. Mm. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah. Nine, nine books, one, one manga. Uh, welcome to go to my website and um, read how the books have changed between their original publication. I've got pictures saved. And um, if you enjoy books with magic and friendship and cute, fuzzy animals, um, Avalon is your book series. But also animals ravaged by magical disease. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah, watch watch animals uh, suffer from from magical radiation poisoning. (laughs) Well, and this all goes back to Rachel Roberts' whole you know animal rights activism and you know just calling to make sure that we're treating our animal friends lovingly yep yeah so i mean and i definitely want to plug the avalon archive as well the the summaries are always really fun to read especially as i'm reading the books um i like seeing the comparisons between the different editions um i actually did finally pick up the old editions again and I have meant to give those a read at some point, you know, when will I have time? I don't know. But at some point <laughs> in the nebulous future, I would like to read those original Taco Bell cover editions. Oh, my goodness. You're obsessed with the <laughs> I, comparison. I really, I really want some Taco Bell right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Anyone at Taco Bell who's listening to this, help us. I mean, we promote we do a product. We do promote a Taco ours. Bell kids meal. Oh my God! Well, that was some... happened with Tinko and the Guardians of the Magic at Taco Bell. Those were terrible really? toys. <laughs> I had no idea they had toys for that. Oh my God. Yeah, Tinko and the Guardians of the Magic, Taco Bell, 1996. Yeah, oh, they're wow. little okay. like magic trick toys. Meanwhile, Joel Riders was at Long John Silver's. Like, <laughs> what child gets kids' meals at a fish restaurant? Like, most children don't like fish. I mean, <laughs> I liked it as a child, but I mean, it's just so random. I mean, and then Quest for Camelot was at Wendy's. Like, you think I remember those toys. Right. It's just so funny that it's like, you know, you never think of these other restaurants out as like Burger King and McDonald's having kids' meal toys. But no, they all did. And it's nice that actually there was a variety, but it, then it makes me think like, okay, well, what KFC, you know, what property had KFC as a kid's meal toy or, <laughs> you know, who had hot dog on a stick? I don't know. Panda Express. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I mean, I would totally take child size jewel bracelets from a fast food restaurant (laughs) exactly well and you know what's funny is that i mean if it was the same 
creative team behind Avalon, probably that would have been the last thing that they created. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> oh. Okay, bring us home, Chris. To all of our listeners out there, this is our final planned recording for Avalon Web of Magic read-along. We're hoping to probably pick it back up with books four, five, and six to at least finish the original Avalon Web of Magic. That probably won't be until next January uh, when we all have a little more time because, you know, the holidays usually run over us like a freight train. Plus, we're going to be celebrating Jewel Rider's 25th anniversary this year in September. So if you would like to see more, you know, please let us know. We've really enjoyed recording these, but we'd like to hear from you, too. So please let us know what if you'd like to see something more for Avalon Web of Magic. And Rachel Roberts, Robert Mandel, if you are listening to this, please contact us. Please. <laughs> we <would> sound desperate. <laughs> we would love to have either of you on this podcast or both of you together. That would be amazing. That's kind of kind of the golden goose for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we would really like to to talk to either of them. So uh, in summary, if you want to find out more about Avalon Web of Magic, of course, go to the avalonarchive.wordpress.com. You can find all of Jack's great information and summaries and behind the scenes information. And if you want to find out more about Jewel Writers, you can visit us at jewelwritersarchive.com or find us at Jewel Writers or at Jewel Writers Archive on the various social media platforms. And if you want to find more from the Jewel Writers Archive podcast, you can find us on various platforms, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and our home on Podbean. And if you like what you've heard so far, please consider leaving us a rating or review. We really appreciate it as it helps our discoverability. Thanks, Jack, for tuning in with us and and chatting about Avalon Web of Magic. It's been so much fun. Thanks for having me on. I'm so glad to have you on and catch up again. (laughs) And hopefully we'll see you again in January for the next round. Yeah, looking forward to it. And as we always like to say at the end of our podcast, friends together, friends friends forever. forever. (laughs) Have a great day, everyone. See you soon. Bye. Bye.